Hello, folks. You are listening to Rewriting Our Future, a Mind Control Exodus, with me, Paul Henning. Join us on our journey as we explore and actively work to deprogram ourselves from the forces in the world that socially engineer our lives. Are the politicians, doctors, scientific experts, and news anchors telling us the truth? Is school, pop culture, social media, and television programming supporting the development of our highest consciousness, healthiest bodies, and most sovereign selves? The more we research and listen to our intuition, the more we find that this answer is a loud and resounding no. And so, we are rewriting our future to opt out of the mind control these forces tirelessly aim to manipulate and coerce us with. Welcome to the show, where we are all figuring this out together. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us for the 11th episode of the Rewriting Our Future podcast. Today's episode I have been waiting on since the beginning because this guest is someone who helped inspire me to start this show because his content, I believe, is the most important work out there. And that content is the information about the public school system. So there's a lot of different ways that we can all get, you know, awakened to the systems of social engineering and the programs that we are uh, put under by the various things like corporations and governments, and religions. But for me, the one that was really the most powerful to learn about was the public school system and what it does to us. For those of y'all who aren't familiar, there's a teacher named John Taylor Gatto. David gets into this a little bit in the presentation today in the, in the talk we have, but John Taylor Gatto was an award-winning teacher in New York, and he wrote some books about what he learned becoming one of the best teachers. And what he learned is that the school system is not there to help our children become sovereign and creative, inspired and free adults. It's designed to do the opposite, in fact. And I know that was really uh, challenging for me to learn at first, you know, because obviously the mother was a teacher. Everyone has family members that are teachers. Those of us that are in the regular, middle, lower class of the world, um, somebody in our family is in the school system. And so it's not about our, our family members necessarily being like bad people. It's just about the, being cogs in the machine for the state and for the corporations. Um, you know, I was really surprised when I learned that school bells are factory bells for a reason. You know, there's this old school uh, thought. I think it was like the Prussian philosophy of education and uh, the school system models a factory, um, not only in the daily uh, routine, how the day is broken about with breaks and whatnot, um, but the things that we are taught and the way we are taught to sit up, you know, stand up, sit down, you have to ask permission for everything. Uh, these things that I used to think were pretty harmless, I'm realizing are actually some of the most um, sinister, like David used the word sinister, ways to treat children, which are divine sovereign beings, you know. And so now as an adult, the, you know, when we feel, when I feel hesitancy to, to speak up, and to share my opinion, and to go against the grain, I now know that I can contribute a lot of that to the programming from the public school system. And so... Um, I know it's not easy for everyone to just pull their kids out of public school, but David James Rodriguez is a resource because he has programs to get your kids out of school. He teaches people that you already have the skills you need to get out of school, to get your kids out of school. It's so important. It's so important. Um, and let me share with you something. I'm going to read something. So take a few minutes. But this is from John Taylor Gatto's book, 
dumbing us down. This was part of a speech he gave when he won an award for Teacher of the Year. Okay, so he says uh, there are seven things that he teaches children to become the best teacher in the state, in a state with lots of students, not like Montana or something, where there's like a handful of teachers probably. Like this is New York, right? It's like one of the most densely populated places in North America. Um, so this is what he teaches. So this is part of his, uh, out of his book. One, confusion. Everything I teach is out of context. I teach the unrelating and disconnections of everything. I teach too much, from the orbiting of planets to adjectives. Curricula are full of internal contradictions and lack coherence. Kids leave school without one genuine enthusiasm or in-depth appreciation of anything. Human beings seek meaning, not disconnected facts. In a world where home is only a ghost because both parents work, or because of too many moves or job changes or too much ambition, I teach you how to accept confusion as your destiny. Two, class position. I teach my students that they must stay in the class where they belong. If I do my job well, the kids can't even imagine themselves somewhere else because I have shown them how to envy and fear the better classes and to have contempt for the dumb classes. The lesson is everyone has a proper place in the pyramid and you must stay where you were put. Three, indifference. I teach children not to care too much about anything, even though they want to make it appear that they do. I do this by demanding students become totally involved in my lessons, exhibit enthusiasm for my teaching, compete with each other in my favor, for my favor. But when the bell rings, I insist they drop whatever they're doing and proceed to the next class. Indeed, the lesson of bells is that no work is worth finishing. So why care too deeply about anything? Four, emotional dependency. By stars and red checks, smiles and frowns, I teach kids to surrender their will to the predestined chain of command. Individuality is a contradiction to class theory and curse to all systems of classification. Five, intellectual dependency. Good students wait for a teacher to tell them what to do. They learn that we must wait for others that are trained to make the choices that will direct our lives. Successful children do the thinking I assign them with a minimum of resistance and decent show of enthusiasm. Curiosity has no place, only conformity. Bad kids fight this, even though they lack the concepts to know what they are fighting. There are procedures to break the will of those who resist. Our entire economy depends upon this lesson being learned. Think of what might fall apart if children weren't trained to be dependent. We've built a way of life that depends on people doing what they are told because they don't know how to tell themselves what to do. Provisional self-esteem, six. It is impossible to make self-confident spirits conform. Our worlds wouldn't survive a flood, such spirits. So I teach the child self-respect should depend on expert opinion. The lesson of report cards, grades, and tests is that children should not trust themselves or their parents, but rely on the evaluation of certified officials. Sounds like Fauci. Seven, one can't hide. I teach children that they are always under constant surveillance. There are no private spaces for children, no private times. Students are encouraged to tattle on each other. The meaning of constant surveillance and denial of privacy is that no one can be trusted. Privacy is not legitimate. Children must be closely watched if you want to keep society under tight central control. Those are really powerful things. They really hit me. They really hit me hard because I can see in my own life and myself and in other people that I'm, I'm around, I can see all these traits being exhibited. 
you know, in a way that we didn't exhibit things. If you think about tribal humans or the way we all respect the Native American lifestyle, they didn't have these things. They didn't have indifference and uh, confusion where things were disconnected, you know. The uh, intellectual dependency, you know, we all want the, you know, that's the ad, the appeal to authority fallacy where we just need a white coat. Say, like, well, you don't have a degree. Why would you? I can't take your input because you don't have a degree. It's all this um, indoctrination for appeal to authority. Um, something that's really interesting is like that David touches on is that people don't feel like they're qualified to take their kids out of school. Obviously, we don't have, uh, not everyone has the, the income to take their kids out of school because both parents need to work, which is another part of the social engineering, right? To d divide the family, because when you divide the family, you can break apart a whole nation and a whole culture. This is part of why my wife and I are, we don't even have kids yet, but we're, we're uh, making it to where my wife doesn't go to work away from the home. She is working on her you know, entrepreneurial projects that she can do from home, but that she doesn't have to leave home to generate income because we know how important it is for our kids to not go to government schools. And, you know, we talk about this in the talk, but David talks about how people are like, well, I don't have the skills, you know? So it's like, I know that the public school is going to take the spark away from my child and going to turn them into compliant people that aren't going to realize their full potential. But I don't want, you know, I don't know how to teach math or maybe I don't know how to teach English or history or whatever we barely learn. And so I'm, I have to, I, I'm not qualified to educate my own children, right? That's the concern. If you're listening to this and you're like, well, I can't do that. I'm not qualified to educate my own children. Well, the idea is that you went to public school, most likely, and you are not qualified to educate your children. So what does that say? What did you learn in public school, right? So then your children aren't going to be qualified to educate their children if they go to public school. So the people that don't go to public school are more qualified. So it's kind of like a, a paradox there, you know, like the fact that we don't feel confident in teaching our children to be successful means that the decades of of compulsory schooling we went to was basically worthless. And it's like, are you confident in your ability to do math and read and write and understand the world and the economy and finances and self-defense and um, growing plants and creating income? No, we're not. Like school doesn't teach us. School doesn't actually help us with any of those things uh, just long enough to pass the test. So I encourage you to dive into Gato's work and to David James Rodriguez's work. He has a million projects out there. Um, this is a really important topic for me, for sure. It's in my about section of my Substack and everything. Um, the book, Dumbing Us Down, I can't recommend it enough. And I really hope you enjoy. <clears throat> Thanks for listening. All right. Hello to whoever's out there. I am so grateful today to uh, introduce you to my guest, David James Rodriguez, who... Someone I've uh, seen speak twice live now, um, and pretty much the only thing more captivating than his subject matter is his presentation style in person. He always uh, definitely captivate a crowd, uh, something to really aspire to. So David James Rodriguez helps parents empower their children using homeschooling, apprenticeships, and accelerated high school graduation. He's the principal of Valor Academy, a homeschool coach and publisher of The Underground History of American Education by John Taylor Gatto, 
the world-renowned teacher. There it is. Also, he founded Education Options TV, where he has introduced thousands of parents to respectful schools and approaches to learning and interviewed world leaders who are demonstrating the future of education today. He's passionate about getting all the thinkers out of forced schooling. So he created Gatto Movement, the Gatto Movement, where he, which is accomplished by helping parents remove their children from outdated schools. He's the host of Voluntary Living, where the goal is to build a world based on consent, self-ownership, and freedom. Born and raised in Mount Shasta, California, he sold his first business at age 26. Thank you so much for being here. How are you doing today? Hey, man, Paul, it's great to be with you. I feel it's a wonderful day to be alive. <laughs> Indeed it is. The world is getting crazier. I got to limit myself from social media, even though that's where I stay connected. It's a hard balance, you know? Mm. Yeah. Um, well, before we get into a little bit about your history, I want to ask, you know, it obviously from your bio, you're into education. And this show that I'm doing, I called it uh, Rewrite, Rewriting Our Future, A Mind Control Exodus, because I've only in the last few years been put on to all the social engineering and the mm. indoctrination that I really had no idea of. Even as someone who had a pretty dynamic life, I would quit jobs and travel the world. And I, I thought I was living sovereign, sovereignly. And then I realized that even as, with my like kind of expansive above average lifestyle, I was highly, highly uh, in a box in my mind and my, my beliefs and the way that I, I let myself expand. And I think that the content that you cover, which is the public education system and more and voluntarism, um, is just the foundation for everything. It's like the whole foundation for my entire platform because I think that you know the the pharmaceutical industry can really wake people up and the health industry can wake people up and uh, the food, but we are all subjected to public school. You know, even kids that some kids go to public school, but they maybe they don't go to the doctor. Maybe their parents feed them really well, but all of us in the normal world are subjected to public school. So. Um, my question to you is, why did you make education your current life path? The beautiful question. Um, the easy answer is that a mentor told me, because I was asked, curious, how do you find your purpose You know, on earth and such? Uh, my original dream was just to have a lot of money, sit on the beach and you know, mm -hmm. enjoy life as we're taught to you know, consume and just you know, think about ourselves. But he said, find an injustice on the earth. Mm. And spend your life trying to correct that injustice. And I said, that's a great way to approach it because right now people don't have a moral code. They don't have a moral compass. And I never even heard that phrase, moral code. So I think I was a junior in, in college. And by that time, you know, we're working, we're trying to pay for everything. And it's like, you don't have the free time to think about like, what's the difference between right and wrong? Like, how do we know if this is right or wrong? And mm -hmm. so I realized that the school system was a serious criminal organization because they are deliberate. And that's where John Taylor Gatto comes in, Charlotte Isserbit, Anthony Sutton, a bunch of other people who've done research, H.L. Mencken. I mean, amazing people. And it's like, well, what's going on there? Well, if you're the rulers, you don't want dynamic powerful individuals being sovereign, <laughs> you know, I'm the sovereign, not you guys, right? The mm -hmm. king might say. So you can see, and it's how it relates to voluntarism is you see this evolution of freedom. 
consciousness that's that's happening right now. Freedom is a very new idea. Before there's you know absolute slavery and then monarchy and um, and now constitutional republicanism, and it's like these guys just do whatever they want. You know, yeah, you're my representative, except you don't know me. We've never spoken. We have no communication, but you're representing me. So we're starting to see that the it's all related. So statism, the natural um, desire that they have is to raise statists so they can fund their system intergenerationally. And that's where we think, wow, you know, we have maybe five-year goals, 10-year goals, but these guys got 80-year goals, 100-year goals, you know, 200 goals. I mean, mm-hmm. they have all the money in the world. They can print it out and who knows how much gold and all these things that they have. But I took it personal, what they did to me in government school, which was lie to me, deceive me. And this is not to say that the teachers are the necessarily bad actors. My mom was a public school teacher. I have family members who I love that are part mm-hmm. of the system now. They're compartmentalized. They have been dehumanized and, you know, it's for the greater good. And so you see this collectivist type mentality that is now open and apparent for many of us who are looking and the children, we are the children. The children are the most vulnerable, weak, dependent humans on the earth. And what's going on here? So I think the awakening is happening in schools and parents is kind of the new civil rights movement it's that serious in my opinion and parents and grandparents and family members and communities need to realize the children um, are not going to be attacked they are being attacked right now in your city you mentioned my hometown there's about five thousand people in my hometown we got one high school one middle school one elementary school that's it and as we speak they have tampons in the boys bathrooms at the high school Mm -hmm. right now so um it's it's far reaching and I think it's it's diabolical, it's unacceptable. And for the mothers and fathers out there that realize what's going on, take a deep breath. We can do it. We can figure it out. You know, the Buckminster Fuller quote, which is you never change reality by fighting against it. You've mm-hmm. got to create a new model that makes the old model obsolete. And so mm-hmm. this is what I've discovered just in the last even a few weeks and months. The consciousness is at one level. The problem is at one level. We have to raise our consciousness and awareness to actually solve the problem. Mm-hmm. So we can't solve it with the left-right paradigm. You know, government politicians give us permission, give us freedom. We're, I believe we're directly connected to source or God or nature, whatever one believes. And we don't need to ask permission. We mm-hmm. exercise our freedoms. And it starts in language, which is you know one of the ways they've kind of ruin the word anarchy. Anarchy is a beautiful word. It means lack of rulers or self-rule, but they've conflated it with chaos. So, mm-hmm. you know, you'll, you'll hear patriots and constitutionalists be like, yeah, anarchy and chaos. Well, they haven't read Lysander Spooner. They haven't read Murray Rothbard and a bunch of other people who have laid out the moral argument and the economic argument that coercion's bad. You know, you can't use intimidation and violence against people. So, Going back to the question about education is I realized that's where they got me. Mm-hmm. And if I didn't have a couple run-ins with the law early and realize these guys are lying and, and, and scheming against me, I might have just like like when I was in the eighth grade, me freshman, they do like an occupational outlook, you know, what's gonna be your occupation? And one of them was helicopter pilot, one of them was FBI agent, and I can't remember what the other one was now. But it was like, yeah, FBI solved the problems. 
And now you see that the FBI is actually doing false flag events and, and participating in these mm -hmm. things. So I could have easily gone down that route, but somehow through the grace of God, you know, I got to, you know, what you say, get knocked off the track for a little bit. And you're like, what's going on around here? You know, like, you know, you look mm -hmm. up to older people, you look up to the gray haired people and you think they have the answers. And then as we get older, you know, teens, twenties, you know, we're like asking deeper questions and you find out, God bless these people. They don't know what's going on either. People yep. are, do not know what's going on. And so this is where, you know, I'm so glad you, you and I got to meet at the Greater Reset there in Mexico and uh, the people that are going down there again. You know, we are the visionaries on the earth. And this was a big awakening that's taken a few years, you know, for me to accept and internalize like, wow, there really is nobody else who's coming. You know, it's us. So mm -hmm. we got to build relationships, help each other out, empower the children and allow them to educate themselves to create this environment. Um, I'll give you my definition of e education. I'll give it back to you here. But uh, the, my definition of education is what you do to yourself to create a good life. Hmm. So we want to allow that question of what's a good life and, you know, what do you value? What's important to you? I literally never heard those questions. You know, God bless my parents who did the best that they could with their awareness and consciousness. Um, but the schools, the church, the family, it, everybody's in this, like you said, this box. And it's quite concerning to see, wow, like you look around and we're like, whoa, like we're all in this box. And, you know, maybe you and I have stepped out a little bit, but I can still feel the programs and the irrationalities that has been installed on me when I was six or eight or 10. It's yep. like, that's not okay to do that to the children right now. So now it's about, I think, playing big, dreaming big, having a big vision, having a 10-year, 20-year, 30-year, 50-year game plan. One of my mentors, um, Brian Clemmer, he said, have a 500-year plan, a 500-year goal. And you're like, <laughs> you're like, man, that changes things. Oh, man. Like, I can't even, it's literally been maybe a year since I heard that. I'm like, wow, like that's an entirely different conversation. But I think that's what is happening mm -hmm. now. And uh, many of us are aware of the importance of starting to speak forth the vision that we desire. Uh, I'm so grateful for all the people who have the seventh generation mentality, which is like, it's not just about us and our children. It's us in six, seven generations later. Like what about the water, the air, the earth, you know, justice, truth, freedom, and then the children, like we have to empower the children. So th the school system has got to be one of the top three injustices on the earth in my opinion one is the military industrial complex which we're seeing now in um israel and palestine and then the federal reserve system which funds all these mass murder wars and uh, then the school system allows that because people just sit around and just they're waiting for somebody to do something waiting for a leader and there is no leader that's coming we are the ones we've been waiting for yeah wow yeah there's uh, a lot of great points you made and one of the things i i really stands out to me is the way that you, um, the, the people ahead of us, like our parents that didn't necessarily know what they were doing. They were operating under their own programming. You, you don't, you don't have like a, uh, you don't have hate for them. It seems, you know, you're not shaking your fist at your mom and dad. Maybe at one point you did, but, uh, like I did, but now, you know, I, I know I've heard you say you send people, what do you say? Peace and love or love and light or something. Yeah, peace and love. Uh, yeah. Peace and love. It's like, you, you know, and you, you place blame on those that have the blame that are out there committing these sinister uh, acts on purpose. But for those that did their best with what they had, you know, I really appreciate that take where you, you 
You don't, you put the responsibility on yourself, not to the people who raised you as much anymore because you can't control what they do and you might as well send them peace and love and then pick up the weight yourself, you know? And uh, yeah. that's really powerful because I think a lot of us want to get stuck in, well, my parents sent me to school and they knew better, you know? And so, but that's, that's not, we can't do anything with that. Whether or not that's true, you know, that's yesterday. And so I appreciate your optimistic outlook towards the future. Um, So I first read Gatto because you told me to basically on stage somewhere at float fest or something, which was only two years ago. Right. right. And so uh, my father-in-law has talked about him forever, but um, so I, uh, stuff, really powerful stuff, you know? So I know that this is, could be a topic all day, but to someone who might not be familiar with what the subject matter you're, you're, you're speaking on is, and someone that says, you know, David, you're using words like sinister and criminal and top three corrupt uh, organizations for, um, someone that might say my kids go to public school and they're fine. They have friends. My son's in football. Like what is so bad about public school? I had a good time. You know, um, how would you respond to that? Mm. So John Taylor Gatto was the New York state teacher of the year two times and the New York city teacher of the year three times. This is not a political award. This is a award from the people. The people actually have to do that because he cared about the people, the children and he started teaching in the 60s, and he was so curious. He was a substitute teacher in the beginning, and a few incidents occurred that got him very suspicious. And you know, he was curious, what's going on in these schools? The bells are ringing every 40 minutes. There's not a chance to concentrate. So he kind of like, let me stick around for a little bit. So he stuck around, and his curiosity peaked. After a 30-year career, he said, these schools – appear to be designed to prevent education from happening. Hmm. And so I got to work with him, as we mentioned, uh, before he passed away in 2018. And I have it on video somewhere. I don't, I don't know if I'm going to publish it because he was he had a stroke. He wasn't really in good health. Mm -hmm. um, but I said, you know, John, why did you spend so much time researching the, the origins of the school system, right? Just so you know, the, the book is titled The Underground History of American Education, subtitle, An Intimate Investigation into the Prison of Modern Schooling. Mm. And we got blurbs from Daniel Pink, Dr. Christian Northrup, um, Seth Godin, and he said, I spent so much time researching the origins because I had to know for myself. I didn't want to be out there speaking with, with parents and individuals about the system when I didn't know where it came from. And he said there was a period in his life where he was reading a history book every day, you wow. know, like the, the, cause there's so much history about it, but you have the kind of mainstream history and, you know, history on the, on the side of the fringe and you got to make it fit together. It's been going on for, you know, over a hundred and, 50 years in some, some uh, states, you know, over 120 years throughout the rest of the country. And conservatively, it's a $700 billion, $700 billion a year business, which mm. is larger than ExxonMobil. It's 30 wow. times larger than the NFL. I mean, it's, it's, it's a major industry. Yeah. So there's a lot of people making a lot of money. And what I'd say to parents is that it's not that the teachers are evil. It's that the people who started it, the Rockefeller Foundation, and uh, Carnegie had a play in it as well, they were big industrialists and they wanted monopolies. They didn't want free market um, 
economics and capitalism happening, they wanted to dominate everything. And so they had their factories and they needed workers. They needed obedient people, not original Americans, or that's even a funny term considering Native Americans are original, right. in my opinion. Um, let's say, let's say colonists. Sure. Um, late 1600s, 1700s, who traveled on a boat across the Atlantic Ocean, risking their life for religious freedom. They were sick of the king being the head of the state, being the head of the church in one body. And they said, we just want to worship God. So they traveled here and it was very, you know, rural. They had to build their own cities, build their own food and sustenance and these types of things. And you got to think, you got to have a, a innovative mindset to build this type of society, to build this type of world. And that's, that's why America became such an abundant, uh, thriving, educational, mostly literate. And that's coming from Alexis de Tocqueville in 1835. He was a French aristocrat who came over here and wrote Democracy in America. And he said, it is alive and there are you know, debates and conversations and people are thinking and readers over here. And there was no compulsory learning. There, it was all voluntary. There, of course, there's like one, one room schoolhouses at that point. But the, the, the direction of these industrialists were that we want to dominate everything. And even in, in 1900, there's a book called World Corporation hmm. by King Gillette the founder of Gillette Razors, you know, super wealthy. And they wanted a, a totalitarian, utopian, socialist world. And he lays it out in the book in 1900. So these guys, when you have all the money in the world, then you just want to maintain that money and power. And in the old days, that was the monarchy. And if you have a son, you give him the crown and teach him well. And then he, hopefully his son does well and give him the crown. And then eventually a dynasty you know, fizzles out and you have weak people or, you know, maybe the, um, someone loses control of the dynasty or so whatever happens, but you know, three or four or five generations after the King, you know, you might be a, um, a pauper again. And I think that might've uh, happened with the, the Astors or the, the Vanderbilts mm. and some of these uber wealthy families that just lost the wealth. So to the parents out there, the number one problem in schooling is that it's forced it's coercive. And you mentioned football and I was a three sport athlete. I love sports. And it was the only reason that I stayed in school because mm -hmm. my parents said, you better get a 3.0 GPA or you can't play. And I was like, okay, I'll, you know, whatever you, I'll play the game. Mm -hmm. But I knew something was wrong when I'm 16 years old and I'm asking people if I can go to the bathroom, you know, like there was something occurring inside him. It's said, this is not right. I don't know what it is. And it turns out they were violating my self-ownership. They're violating the most valuable principle of freedom to travel, freedom to make decisions, um, urinate, defecate, get a drink of water. Like, who are you guys? And uh, where where were you last year? You, I didn't even know you last year. And next year, I'll never, I'll say goodbye to you. I'll never see you again. So, mom and dad, the invitation for you is to redefine what education is. And I gave you my definition of it, but schooling. Just so you know the distinction, because John Gatto said, this is very important that you know. You must understand the difference between education and schooling. And schooling is when somebody else does something to you for their benefit. Mm, wow. So that's the state 
you know, pledge allegiance to the Republic. Well, why not pledge allegiance to your family? Why not pledge allegiance to love, honor, integrity, morality, peace, love, freedom, joy, health, abundance, charisma, dynamism, all these things? Like, I would, okay, I'll pledge allegiance to those things, but to the state? You know, I don't think that's a good thing. So if you look at um, other organizations, let's say even the church, they have uh, church schools or catechism, and they have their own doctrine that they're putting into the system. Uh, even in Europe, they have sports clubs where if you're a good athlete at a young age, you put them in like this sports academy. And from 8, 10, 11 years old on, they become in the program to help build the sports club, the, the football club, as they call it, the soccer club. So any organization, mainly your family, mothers and fathers out there, you want to think of intergenerational plans to protect it. Mm. And what I would say is that your values and your priorities should become number one. And I'm working on the presentation for Mexico this year and uh, nice. another event I got going on. Um, but I'm going to put in there something to the effect that I invite you to remove the word homework, you know, from your vocabulary because you have school and then you have home and it's all about life. So let's start having a conversation about life work. Like forget mm. the SATs and the grades and the tests. Like nobody cares. I got a business degree, you know, nobody cares. They never ask to right. see it. They don't ask about my GPA. The world that we're creating now, and you know, being a visionary yourself, Paul, is that we're creating a world based on consent, respect, goodness, honor, things that really matter, you know, love, freedom. This is the way forward. And another Buckminster Fuller quote, which is so beautiful, which is, every child is a born genius. Mm -hmm. The challenge is they get de-genius trying to please their teachers and please their parents. So mom and dad's out there, rather than have your child be obedient to you, maybe what you want is to have them trust you, to have them know that no matter what, mom and dad has got my back. Because then if there's a crisis, then your word has impact, you know, versus obedience. So it's this divergent um, bifurcation of freedom and independent thinking versus slavery and obedience. Yes, you can teach your dog to obey you, but your child's not a dog. They are amazing spiritual creation here mm -hmm. on an amazing, exciting journey of adventure and uncertainty and challenge and beauty and connection and growth. So rather than be like you're the one in charge telling them what to do, why not be on side of them, hold their hands and say, let's do it together. You know, mm -hmm. I don't know what's going on here on planet Earth either, but we can do it together. And if we can have healthy bodies, a strong family, strong community, then we're going to be okay. Because I think civilization um, as it's structured now is going down the dollar, the financial system, uh, the medical system, all these things. You and I are now discuss. you and I are having a video conversation um, across the country. I don't even know where you're at right now, but we're Virginia. doing it. Virginia, okay, 3,000 miles about. So we're doing this basically for free, and now we can record it, and mm -hmm. we can clip it, and we can actually send it out without permission from the major corporations. So this is a big problem for them. It's beautiful for us um, because we're able to get these ideas out there. So everybody will be exposed for the goodness or the lack of goodness, in my opinion. And 
parents, you have an opportunity to say, you know what, I've made mistakes here. Um, here's areas I've succeeded, whatever. But son and daughter, I want you to have a better life than I've had. So how can we facilitate that? And um, I think looking into the origins of the school system are very um, intelligent. Look at Gatto, look at Isserbit. Um, but the number one problem is forced attendance and forced curriculum. And Gatto said, he said, if you made attendance voluntary at these schools, in five years, you'd see very significant changes. And in 10 years, you wouldn't recognize the entire system. So wow. this is the importance of voluntarism. Wow. Yeah, thank you for breaking that down because I think a lot of people don't understand if, that there's anything at stake. They think my kid learns math and he makes friends. And then, but the truth is, is they don't even really learn math. And we're not everyone is even close friends with people they went to school with. That's right. So you're saying when you boil it down at the end of the day, when you're an adult in your 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, what's left over from the education system is your training to obedience and compliance and the mm -hmm. lack of your ability to treat yourself and God as the highest authority. Um, and that you, it's just unbelievable. You know, I, right now I, I, um, I work for a health app. I'm a health coach. I message people for one of the major health apps and I message yeah. people about their health and fitness every day. Um, and since I've been absorbing your content, other people's, I see things differently. Today we had a meeting, okay? The yeah. app, they're taking all the messages to AI. And so there mm. less people are, less of us are needed to actually respond. And so we're in a meeting and there's not enough messages. Well, they measure our production as an employee by how many messages we do per hour. And there used to be minimums because they wanted mm. to make sure we weren't just sitting around all day doing nothing. Well, there's not enough messages coming in anymore for us to meet the minimums for our job. And so if there's not enough work to do, all the supervisors are just like, okay, look, we know there's not enough work to do. Maybe in a couple months in New Year's when everybody's like, I'm going to lose weight, they come back. So the moral of the story is right now, there is not enough work to do to maintain the old minimums of our production. Yeah. That's fine with me. What that means for me is that I can work on my house more. I can work out and go for a walk. I don't have to do my job as many hours. These yeah. people I work with, David, they are obsessed with hitting the metrics. These yeah. people, the boss tells them to their face, you don't have to, there's not messages, don't work. But they are striving for that gold star. They're striving for that perfect attendance. They're striving for the A+. Plus. These people I work with are logging on to work at night to make sure that they get their, the messages done, even though no mm. one's asking them to. Mm. They are so paranoid about not being good students in their job that they, they can't see any of their own sovereignty. And I wouldn't have been able to recognize this without the context of what you're talking about. Yeah. They're, they're, they're still in school. These grown people with children are still in school. The other thing is I drove by a billboard the other day that said uh, some local university, the best university for getting a job. And I thought, right. man, that couldn't be like, yeah. that's like the opposite of an advertisement now. That was the <laughs> last place I want to go is somewhere that's going to guarantee I get a job. Uh, right. it's, uh, it's so crazy. Um, so, I have a comment on that one. Yeah, please. So that's what they taught us, right? Is that to go to school, go graduate high school, college, get a good job. But the bigger thing is we actually want a good life. Mm -hmm. And it's like, um, in the early, you know, colonial days, people didn't want to have a job forever that we, we have a job temporarily till we build our own thing. Like, what mm -hmm. do you want to do with your life? You see, this life is a very short thing, mom and dad, you know, and one of us, you know, one day we're going to be in the, you know, six feet under. So like, let's enjoy it while we're here. So they, they, they didn't even 
let me know that entrepreneurship was a thing. Mm -hmm. And it's like, yeah, well, what's entrepreneurship? Well, you lead your own life. It's like, oh, well, that sounds good. So there's this trade-off that they didn't teach us because, again, if they teach you and I to be powerful entrepreneurs, then these monopolists are going to have competitors mm -hmm. and they don't want that. <laughs> That's yep. my comment. Absolutely. Yeah, it's so interesting. Like, Because if there was an entrepreneur class in high school, you could yeah. go for one semester and never need anything again. Like <laughs> now we're all diving into it. We have to teach ourselves as adults entrepreneurship, which is what I'm trying to do. Uh, because, but if I had learned this at 17, I would have been, everyone would have been probably paying attention and they would have started their own business and walked out halfway through, you know? Um, so I have a question about the, the parents that acknowledge, I see a lot of videos now where parents are up against the school board and it's like, mm. yay, we're applauding these parents for, telling the school boards that the school boards are, you know, they're putting pornography in our schools. They're, they're confusing our children's sexuality, which is their whole lifeline to future generations. It's, it's, it's evil, but it's evil. Um, yeah. And so, but these parents are pleading with school boards to give them their rights that they have. So yes. why is that happening? Why are people so upset with what's happening to their children, but instead of unschooling them, they're just asking their masters for more permissions. Yep. So what we're dealing with is uh, called learned helplessness. Mm. And this is a kind of a analogy of the, the fleas in a Petri dish. A Petri mm -hmm. dish, if you put the fleas in there and put the lid on them, they jump and jump until they hit their head for a few hours. And then you take the lid off and now they won't even try to jump out of the jar any longer, the Petri mm. dish, because they've learned they can't do it. Mm. So in school, we learned that Education is broken into subjects, and either you're good at math or you're not. You're good at reading or you're not. So rather than having a holistic view of the whole thing, which is to use math to achieve your goals or use language to achieve your goals, it's memorization and regurgitation. Mom and dad, what I've noticed, because I've been doing this for a few years now in, in consulting with parents and homeschooling them, homes, helping them homeschool their, their kids and talking with them, walking them down the path, a scary path, um, is that they feel incompetent themselves. I had mm. one client, she came to my expo for three years and I finally spoke to her because I thought she was homeschooling. She's like, yeah, I think I'm ready to start homeschooling. I was like, wow. So you came to three of my expos, you know, and you still have your kids in the school system. Wow. I said, wow. She says, yeah, it was the scariest decision of my life. I said, whoa, why was it the scariest decision? Because all of a sudden, mom and dad, you feel responsible for your child's success because the government told you that. When in reality, your child has their own life and they're responsible for the success. Of course, you want to love them, support them, help them, you know, um, get strong in the beginning. But their success is not a reflection of you necessarily. And so that's what parents, they don't want to get off the beaten track. Like, hey, everybody's going to public school. Everybody's going to college. Let's just do that because mm -hmm. if, we, if we mess up or the child mess up, then, hey, we, we did what we're supposed to do. But if we do something different, I call it um, self-directed learning or unschooling. Mm -hmm. These are mm -hmm. uh, synonymous in my opinion. And, or voluntary learning. You know, These are some of the things I spoke about there in Mexico. And everywhere I go, I talk about voluntary learning because I found out there's schools that don't force people. You know, Summerhill, uh, been around for 100 years. Check out some of the, the documentaries about Summerhill. So parents just need to know that they're 
that the voluntary way has been proven. It's successful. So there is a forced learning way and there's a voluntary learning way. What mom and dad got to do is say, you know what? I went to public school and I have this fear so I'm going to ruin my child's life. But look at these people over here. And you got to go do some reading, mom and dad. You got to do some, go look at some documentaries, go look at some movies. All the information is there now. The mm -hmm. question is, are you open-minded? Are you going to seek that information? Over, I think it's 50% of adults never read another book after graduating high school. Why? Because they're, they're taught that Ugh. once you get this piece of paper, okay, just get this diploma, you're set for life. Now you don't have to do anything. But you and I know <laughs> that if success, if we desire success, it is a perpetual learning experience mm -hmm. and it's actually fun. You know, it's actually enjoyable to read new books, to hear new ideas, mm -hmm. to go to conferences, to uh, write in your journal, to, to write books, to do all these things. It's actually enjoyable when it's voluntary. But when you sit your eight-year-old down or 10-year-old and say, hey, you have to read this book and you got to give me a book report or you can't go outside and play. Now you have just terrorized them or you've coerced them and or you've made reading and writing no fun. And so one of the fears also is that, you know, hey, if I um, homeschool my child, pull them out of the school system, they're not going to learn to read and write well. And then I'm going to ruin my child's life. And that's a valid concern. I understand that. This is a very valid thing to feel. And when you, when you start feeling that way, you got to realize, okay, where did I learn this? And who's telling me about my child's ability? Really consider your child's super intelligence, super genius, the, the brain cells, the fact that they learn to walk and talk without any coercion. And language itself is a huge achievement. I mean, let alone verbal language, there's sign language and facial expressions and body language. Mm -hmm. Like your child is super capable. What the state is doing is attacking you and your confidence to trust your intuition and know your child. You gave birth to your son or daughter. You're going to be here in five years. You're going to be here in yeah. 10 years. You have the highest vested interest in the success of your child. And no matter what, you're going to love them because mm -hmm. that is the safety net of failure. Okay, mm -hmm. this is another thing. So just so you know, I have a Facebook group called Homeschool Leader. Cool. Parents go there. Yeah, it's, it's free. You can go there. I have like 20 curriculum I've created and wow. address a lot of these things. One of the curriculum is called the mistake curriculum. Hmm. What's the mistake curriculum? Mistake curriculum is redefining what mistakes mean to you, mom and dad. Because in school, as I mentioned, I had to have a 3.0 to play sports. So if I got a, a, a C, you know, then that's like terrible for me. So I had to stay on the path that they're telling me on. Well, in success, we're going to fail. And in entrepreneurship, we're going to fail. In, 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 in inventing, engineering, science, the scientific method, you're going to have a um, hypothesis and it may or may not work out. Do not feel attached to the outcome that your son or daughter creates. You're attached to the soul, to the identity that you're loved, son, daughter, you're loved. No matter what mm -hmm. you do, you could, you know, fuck up royalty. You could, you know, hit a home run or strike out or, you know, fall down, scrape your knee, a bunch of other mistakes. 
and mom and dad's going to be here with big open arms. You come here, and we love you for who you are, not for what you do. And so Beautiful. parents, yeah, parents are, um, again, going on the intergenerational aspect of it that that's how they were raised. And unless they got good grades, then they got approval. Gatto calls it conditional or provisional self-esteem. So mm. in the schools, and this is the, one of the uh, seven lessons that he identified in his book, Dumbing Us Down, which is you can't feel good about yourself unless the school tells you you can feel good about yourself. Mm-hmm. And so mom and dad, you're here to, to either stop that programming from happening or to deprogram or um, prevent that, you know, to um, release that inside of them and let them know that mistakes are good. Mistakes are a great lesson. They're a great teacher. They're not a reflection on your intelligence. They're not mm-hmm. a reflection on your, your self-worth. And, you know, that's just one of the curriculums that I put in there. So it's um, basically reprogramming yourself, mom and dad. I know it's difficult. It seems difficult. And if it takes three years to do it, fine. But um, I'm actually connected to some um, freedom of choice people here where I'm at now. And they're going to the school board tomorrow. And I, I want to support them and I want to make relationships with them. But I know that asking the school board to stop putting these pornographic books in the, the, the schools or to stop telling them about transgenderism, it's pretty futile because God yeah. bless those board members. They're um, either politicians um, or people who've been appointed or some weird way. They're, they're not there for your son and daughter, mom and right. dad. The number one advocate for your son and daughter is you. And if it takes you six months, a year, two, three years to build a side hustle income or, you know, start working from home like you're doing, Paul, like whatever it is, but don't sit around and feel like the only way is to go to these politicians and say, please stop hurting my children. And there's, there's a great clip from Gatto, um, from Richard Grove and his ultimate history lesson, which says from John Gatto, all effort to reform schooling is a huge waste of time, energy, and resources. Man. <laughs> Makes sense. Oh, man. So he said that. I didn't say that. He taught for 30 years. He got all these yeah. awards. He inspired yeah. all these people. So mm-hmm. we got to you know, find the voices that we can trust. Find the voices mm-hmm. that we can depend upon. You know what? I'm going to go all in on that. I'm going to mm-hmm. go all in on those ideas because I think if you're going to go all in on these um, government schools right now, you are severely confused. Mm-hmm. And um, like I said before, we're all under programming and mind control. And like, we have to release that. We have to let go of that. And really for me, in my experience recently is realizing this is a spiritual thing that I'm on, on this, on this time and this globe and God or source or somebody's cheering for me. Yes. They're cheering for you, Paul. They're cheering for us because yep. they, there's a gap in these criminals, uh, which is they don't love people. We mm. love people. We love humanity. I don't even got to know you. Mm-hmm. A little side note. I learned about the Greek and they have seven types of love. Wow. Of course, there's romantic love and there's mm-hmm. family love, but there's also love of humanity. Mm. It's called agape love. So I can sincerely wish peace and love um, amongst the people, total strangers, because mm-hmm. in me, is you and you are in me, you know, there's mm-hmm. this kind of like, we're all drops of water 
and like we all go back to the ocean, something like this. Yeah. Um, and I think the children know, and there's children that are coming now to earth that have come here for this. And I think I came here for this and you might've come here for this too, which is like, once you feel in alignment with something like, yeah, dude, let's, let's start a podcast. Rewrite right. our future. Let's go. You know, I just, um, through a strange way, and then I'll give it back to you here. The book, um, you might have been saw it there in Mexico, Government, the Biggest Scam in History Exposed. Yeah, we have a couple but, copies here. Amazing. So I got some copies too, and I'm giving them to some of the leaders around here, you know, some of the constitutionalists mm -hmm. around here who I respect and strong, you know, powerful men and women. Anyways, I gave the book to uh, one of the guys, and uh, he says, Oh, you ever do a podcast? I said, I'd love to do a podcast. So he brought me on. Nice. After the podcast, he says, You want your own show? I'm what? Like, yeah, let's go. He has a studio. Wow. So I started this show about a, a month ago. It's called Voluntary Living. And yes. um, just kind of like getting the voice out there and getting the messaging wow. and, and clarifying how we can help people transcend the left right paradigm versus red versus blue, right. you know, and all this de divisiveness. But it was through that book that I got to give it to somebody and mm -hmm. be a person of value. And I'm not, I'm not trying to convince people. I'm just saying, hey, look, it mm -hmm. seems like government's illegitimate, you know, just something right. to consider, you know? Yeah. Wow. That's powerful that, uh, you know, something like a, a gift of knowledge that you let them, like you're saying, you let them do it consensually and without coercion, you know, if you'd like to look, because if you were like, you better read this, you know, even if you were like, I'm going to give you a thousand dollars to read this, you, he might be like, no, I don't care, you know? Um, uh, and so, yeah, it's amazing that that voluntary act of love through trying to inform someone gave you this incredible opportunity i'm gonna have to yeah. tune into your show it was one of my questions to hear was to ask you about it um so it's really amazing that you uh you have your own thing how often do you are you planning on putting something out um we're doing it weekly right now and it was so interesting um there's actually two shows so i get an hour of studio time a week cool. and i broke it up into 30 minute segments so one's voluntary living building a world based on consent, self-ownership mm -hmm. and freedom. And then a Gatto movement, which is get all the thinkers out of four schools. Mm -hmm. So one's going to be specifically about voluntary living and kind of the exit and build strategy that mm -hmm. uh, Derek Bros and uh, John Bush are promoting, which is exit the course of systems and build the solutions that you want to see. Um, and that's for uh, a hospital, financial, education, uh, peace protection, all these things. I mean, we, there's a lot of work that needs mm -hmm. to be done. And then the, the Gatto movement is this specifically about education. So, you know, your listeners can go and check some of these cool. out. I think we're on, we're on Rumble right now, but the idea is to put out one um, segment per week and then um, start to grow that and see where that takes us. Wow. That's awesome. That's a, that's a really, uh... Big commitment. So that's all, that's great that you're familiar with creating curriculum because now it looks like you're going to have to create some for yourself. I'm sure that's you can right. talk for hours as it is, but it's going to be cool to be able to develop your own show with that kind of uh, that kind of like rigor and schedule because um, I know yeah. doing this one, I'm just kind of wing it. And I just kind of whenever, sometimes I won't do anything for a month, sometimes it's twice in a week, but uh, that kind of schedule and routine would definitely build um, more confidence and you have to like meet your own expectations. So it'd make you a better... Um, at all of it so that's really cool yeah um so what well, i first like i said i've only been hip to the propaganda for only a few years my wife has been more into it for a long time but it didn't really come out until the election last time and obviously the pandemic but 
when I when I first met Howard was at a festival in Washington in 2020, and we were just in the woods out there, the Squatch Fest, and it was like he was one of the speakers. He was like the main speaker, and um, I he needed like a tent cover because it was raining or something, and I happened to give him one because I had an extra one. I didn't know who he was. And then he spoke and then he gave me a copy of his book for free because I lent him this tent. I was like, oh, my gosh, it was like the main guy, um, mm. you know, and I was in the military and then I went to college and I grew up my, like you. My mother was a teacher and um, and he talked about voluntarism and statism. And I cried. I mean, I was just there in my can in my tent chair trying to hold it together. And my wife yeah. leans over at one point. He was talking about the sheriff as the sheriff has separate authority from the cops. And if their cops are fucking with you, you can be like, I want to talk to the sheriff. And he had just been going on and on and um, and about things that now I understand are kind of like the foundation for understanding your own personal sovereignty and natural law. And I didn't know I, I didn't know any. And that's what I said to my wife. So I have tears in my eyes thinking about my military service. And I had just convinced my little brother to join the Navy. He's out now. Thank God now. Yeah. But um. I just convinced my little brother, who has one of the brightest souls of anyone I've ever known, to join the military for free college. And yeah. I'm just like, and so I was crying and my wife leans over and she's like, did you know this? Mm -hmm. uh, something that Howard said, and, uh, or Etienne, I should say. And, and I just said, I don't know anything, you know? Yeah. And I like meant it. In that moment, I knew nothing. Yeah. I was like yeah. in my camp chair, in the woods, crying. And I was just like, so, uh, at first I felt so ashamed. Because I, I and then I learned more about the military and and just like you said, like, you know, the history of education, you know, it's like the history of the United States military. I mean, there can't be a more corrupt criminal organization of, and, you right. know, especially when you start thinking about the way that karma can affect our our bloodlines and, and like our family and the, the karmic debt from the sins we commit and things like that. You know, like I fortunately I was in a position in the military where I was in the Navy. I was a mechanic. I was I didn't have to do anything horrible directly or anything um but i was filled with shame for a long time because i thought mm -hmm. man how how stupid could i have been to have given over my morality and my body to a criminal organization i mean mm. and that's a controversial thing to say which is why i don't promote my podcast because i'm not uh quite to my, to my little community, I promote it to the freedom community, but this is another question I have coming up for you next about speaking that truth. But I, I, instead of just stopping and being filled with the shame, I continue to learn, you know, and I can, and so, and I realized that a lot of people in the, in the freedom movement have been associated with regular statist organizations or propaganda machines like giant corporations. And, and it, uh, eventually I was kind of able to like forgive myself and move on. But the, the weight of all of that propaganda and statism, it like really overwhelmed me for a bit. Yep. You know, I, I, yes. I, it was so sad. And now I feel better and I can understand that I was just a victim of this, mm. like, whatever you call it, fifth generation warfare or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, and now I can use my insights to, to help people. Um, and yeah. yeah, so I'm very grateful for that book <laughs> and yeah. Etienne and his, and his work. Um, right. Well, this is, this is, I think, part of the importance of understanding that we're standing on the shoulders of the people who've gone before us. Mm -hmm. And that's where I gave a speech at Anarcha Vegas, uh, I don't know, three, four years ago called Intergenerational Freedom. Mm. And it's the idea that I'm not just trying to build freedom for myself. I want to build freedom for my children and my grandchildren and for all the children, you know, like it's not mm -hmm. about my bloodline. It's about 
the, the, the human species. I literally feel like these are brothers and sisters, you know, you can be black or Chinese, you know, like I lived in Korea for a while. Like I feel just as much affection for them as, you know, so my black friends and it's like, so there's these things that these criminals use to divide us. And once we can find the unity, I think this is why we, we will win. I, I believe we will win. It's going to be glorious. You know, um, we just got to get to the next like eight, 10 years, you know, like Seriously. it's going to be crazy town, man. So it's really important to prepare, but intergenerational freedom is the transfer of the knowledge of the truth of self-ownership and respect for self-ownership. Mm -hmm. These are the two things that I've narrowed it down to, which self-ownership means you own your body, I own my body, and I can do whatever I want, except step two is respect for self-ownership. means I respect your self-ownership, mm -hmm. which includes um, the non-aggression principle, and so I can't aggress against you, and then the self-defense principle means you can't aggress against me. So the intergenerational freedom is the transfer of that knowledge of the truth, mm -hmm. self-ownership and respect for self-ownership. I respect your self-ownership. You respect my self-ownership. Fair enough. Right? So this is the easy way out versus the, the 10 amendments of the constitution or these things like it's, it's simpler than that. And I think this is part of our responsibility as leaders and creators and media producers and movie makers, comics, you know, artists, mm -hmm. these people to create the message so that people can get it. So there's no debate. And part of you, what you said also is like feeling shame and guilt and overwhelm, all these things. I'm like, I still feel um, overwhelmed, you know, like, wow, like this is big time, you know, and the shame mm -hmm. or the guilt of like participating in these things. And thankfully I didn't kill anybody um, mm -hmm. in the name of the state, you know, that's um, tragic like uh, the pat tillman story or so mm -hmm. many stories of good guys you know that get yeah. killed you know in the, in the in the in the line of fire or um get killed by your own government i mean this is just unacceptable but to transfer these ideas i think is essential we're standing i'm standing on the shoulders of lysander spooner from mm -hmm. 1870 mm. and murray rothbard 1970 yeah. it's like well who are these guys these are the guys who dedicated their life to logically rationally calmly putting out the argument and the argument is that we're not bound to a contract we never agreed to and if you don't have the right to take my money uh, without my permission then you can't delegate that right to take my money have someone else come and take my money without my right. permission right? right so these are the fundamentals that after i've read enough um, listened enough and i'm like okay so these are the foundation of the new civilization that we are all co-creating. And there's a lot of people waking up to this. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't even hear about the word agorism. I think it was through um, Derek Rose, maybe John Bush, but the, the mm -hmm. idea of agorism is that um, you intentionally go to markets to starve the state, right? Like, mm -hmm. um, and that's maybe where crypto comes in or cash society or these kind of things. So, and they were inspired by Samuel Konkin, right? So there's these, these voices out there that have been intentionally suppressed by the mainstream publishers, mainstream television, et cetera, where these ideas are bulletproof. These ideas are rock solid and they will not be stopped. And they can, they can try to, you know, do what they do. You know, they can, you know, harm us or maim us or threaten us or da, da, da. But there's another wave of people coming behind us. 
and there's another wave of people coming hmm. behind them. You yeah. know, so this idea to yeah. lay out our life and to understand we're building something here and we're building this um, pyramid or, or foundation or, or structure which will not be shaken from the earth, in my opinion. Now, of course, they can turn off the power, the water, the internet, and do all this mm-hmm. crazy stuff. So, okay, so that's on the table then. Um, this is this is a possibility they can do, but the idea is intergenerational freedom, mm-hmm. transferring this knowledge, putting it in the, in the minds and the hearts of the children, which is so important to teach our children these things. And the story that I love is from Rosalind Ross, uh, she's voluntarist. I met her at a freedom event in uh, Canada, you know, five years ago, I guess now. Hmm. And she was teaching self-ownership to her son. He's five years old. And, um, you know, she asked permission before she picks him up. And he goes to a family reunion. And hmm. the, the uncle tr- tries to come pick up the five-year-old nephew. And he puts his slams his elbows down, says, hey, you need permission to pick me up. And the, oh, yeah. the uncle was like, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know. He says, is it okay if I pick you up? And the five-year-old says, no, thank you. And he runs off and goes ahead and wow. have some fun. Yeah. So this type of um, understanding young people can get, the mm. challenge is the mom and dad now. So this mm-hmm. is where we, we forgive ourselves. We have compassion on ourselves, compassion for other people, empathy, understanding that these – we're mostly good people. And sometimes we get bad ideas and we do bad things. But in our hearts, we want to do good. And I've noticed that when I do good, I feel good. And when I do bad, I feel bad. So this is simple. Mm-hmm. Mom and dad, you can, you can put this into your curriculum for your son or daughter. And if that's the only thing that they get is mom and dad taught me how to be a good person. And if I do good actions, I have good emotions. Mm-hmm. And I do bad actions, I have bad emotions. It's like, mm-hmm. how simple and true is that? Because when we're lazy or, you know, we're do, we, we say mean things to people sometimes and we're like, man, I feel bad about that. You know, it's mm-hmm. like there's a spiritual connection. And again, this is stepping into leadership stuff where it's like, oh, I'm responsible for helping resolve these types of problems. There's a friend that's having a, a trouble with his marriage and an ex-wife and I try to com- mediate them. And when I was at Anarchapoco, somebody having some trouble with the vendors and stuff, we got to mediate them. So hmm. I'm leaning into conflict resolution now wow. because I'm starting to realize that I can't call the cops. If I got trouble with you or anybody else, I either either I address it directly or mm-hmm. I bring in a third party and say, hey, man, I need some help here. I'm trying to resolve mm-hmm. this conflict, whether it's a business conflict or, um, you know, who knows the type of conflict, uh, emotional ego stuff, you know, yeah. feelings, whatever, misunderstanding and uh, it's up to us to solve these problems because some of the most dangerous people are around us are people who call the government to solve the problems. Yep. It's like, dude, my let's say my neighbor, you know, calls the cops because the music is too loud. It's like, dude, don't don't ever call those guys, man. Come over and talk to me. So it's up mm-hmm. to me to take that initiative and go to the neighbor. You know, let's say we're having a party and it's you know it's going to be loud. So it says, hey, we're going to have loud music tonight. There's going to be a lot of cars here. If there's any trouble, please text me, call me, come over, but don't call the cops, okay? We can resolve this peacefully. We don't got to involve strangers with guns 
who have qualified immunity who routinely shoot people on video camera and nothing happens to these people. Fair enough? Would that be okay? You know? Seriously. Wow. Like, I can't have that conversation mm -hmm. with the normies. I can have that conversation with you and kind of, you know, poke some fun yeah. at it. But it's getting to that point now mm -hmm. where if somebody's going to call the government to resolve resolve their problems, we, you know, they're very dangerous people and um, we want to stay away from those people, wish them peace and love. But if you, if that's your remedy or you don't have any conscious awareness to what's going on with the police brutality for black people, white people, you know, Asian people, Mexican people, like everybody's being brutalized, dude. This is not a race mm -hmm. thing. This is a monopoly coercive organization that has no accountability in court. And I'll give you a personal example. I was arrested during the pandemic in 2020 in December for not having a mask in a post office where mm. the sign says masks are recommended. And I have wow. photo and video evidence of that. I got arrested. They took me to jail for trespassing. Yeah. It's on video and they didn't charge me with anything ultimately. So they dropped all the charges and uh, a friend's helped me says, Hey man, let's file a lawsuit. I said, let's go. So we filed a lawsuit over a million dollars, um, from the oh. title 42, 1983, um, violation of civil rights. And I sued the postmaster. I sued the <laughs> cops who uh, arrested me. And yes. I, sued, I sued the County yes. who, um, who held my person, who held my body. And this is probably like a, a month or two back now. They all made motions to dismiss. And here's the short of it. The, the, the judge said, yep, the cops have qualified immunity. The, the post office isn't a public space. It's a private space. They had probable cause to arrest you. And there was a bunch of other stuff. And you're just like, oh, what? my God. So, so they dismissed the case. And um, I think I'm past the time to, to refile it. We'll see. But it's just like wow. the cops are corrupt. The courts are corrupt. The postmaster is corrupt. Like, wow. No accountability. I, no accountability. So I, I realized that maybe because I did it myself, which is called pro se, maybe mm. they didn't want to allow me to get some forward progress um, because then they have a bunch of people doing pro se. I think they like having mm. their bar license or bar certified yeah. attorneys go through their system and then do it that way. But um, it's my first federal lawsuit I ever filed. And it's just like, you know, it's, it's such a corrupt system and, you know, hmm. literally your sign says masks are recommended and mm -hmm. you arrested me for not having a mask. It's like, so just a corrupt situation and it's time for us to transcend and try to yeah. find solutions on our own and to lean into conflict with our friends and family. But if somebody is being irrational or um, not listening or not a team player then I normally just exit that relationship and say, you know, I wish you all the best, but you and I are not going to have a future because um, you're not a team player. And you don't want to work together. You know, it's, mm -hmm. it's you have a status mentality, which is I'm right and I'm going to slam you versus the idea, like you said, um, you don't want to share the show with people because I don't want to rattle them too mm -hmm. hard, you know? Mm -hmm. And I just came across something this past week also, which is about being harmonious with people. Um, not a, not antagonizing people, mm -hmm. finding agreeability, finding a common ground, even with status um, in conversation. But if they again, if they're going to threaten to call armed thugs, I just say it's been nice talking with you. Yeah, I got to no. get to another appointment. You know, mm -hmm. I got to get out of here because I'm not going to be around when these guys show up. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah, that's really powerful, and it's an important thing to teach people, like you're saying, uh, because it, it can it can get crazy too quickly 
and it's not worth it, you know, because if you're trying to play, it's that balance. I guess if you're trying to play a game 500 years long, if you're trying to educate seven generations down the line, at least, um, you know, you want to be brave, but you also have to be around to use your potential, right? Yes. You don't want to be a martyr uh, because we like, we need you and we need each other. And so there's, there's the give and take, you know, we've been thinking about that, my wife and I, because we're going to Mexico to see everyone at Morelia this year. And we're like, well, maybe yeah. there's going to be master back or I don't know, on the plane, you know, <laughs> right. and uh, I just have been telling myself, like, for me, I don't know, like, but I, there's a, there's a cost to admission in some areas, you know, mm. there were times where I'm like, I'll never wear a damn mask. And then we go visit my mother, my grandmother-in-law in a nursing home. And I, I did, I do put masks on because I want to visit this old woman, you know, and yeah. We're not taking the responsibility on to move her into our house because we're selling our houses. We're not in a place for that. And so uh, in that way, I've accepted my compliance because I have a greater goal. And the same with not just going butt heads with the police every time, like because something could happen to you and then, but we need each other. So you have to pick your battles, I think. Um, and it's important. And, and I think the people that don't pick their battles sometimes don't have that long view, you know? I mean, I guess at some point there's like the Braveheart thing or like the like we're going to Valhalla, like today's the day, you know, yeah. today might be the day that it's over. Yeah. Um, and that day will hopefully be obvious. But until then, we can play smart and uh, not get arrested or kidnapped by the police. People ask me, you know, about travel and stuff. Like, what about the cartel in Mexico? I'm going to be like, now I'm going to be like, well, David James Rodriguez got kidnapped by the cartel in the post office in California. So uh, Absolutely. It's, it's everywhere. Um, yeah, so I got I got a comment on that one. Um so traveling, picking our battles, um, we want to have a long life, and I'm sure you do as well. And, you know, I'm not suicidal. I will not take my life, you know, like I want to live, and I got to choose the mountain I'm willing to dedicate my life to. Mm -hmm. And so I was a right-to-travel activist for three years, and I got arrested, I think, six times and had my car towed eight times, mostly for, mostly for failure to identify. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I learned a lot and wow. I made a, I actually have a course, um, on the commoner law group, but I'll give you kind of the essence of, of it right now. Um, when I'm engaging with cops and they say, you know, you must do this. I will say, okay, if I don't do this, let's say the mask, let's say identify myself, provide license, registration, whatever. If I don't do that, what are you going to do to me? And if it's like the hospital, the grocery store say, oh, you can't come in. Okay, maybe I'll leave. Or, you know, like you said, you can't see my grandma. Okay, I wear a mask. I'll go see my grandma. Um, but it says, um, I'm going to pull you out of this car. I'm going to arrest you. It's like, oh, got it. So you're going to use violence against me for exercising my freedoms. Okay, great. And normally I have a dash cam in my car, so I catch this on video. I say, I'm afraid for my life now. I'm afraid of you now. And I'm going to comply. I'm going to provide this information to you. Because what we've done in that conversation is we have exposed the violence mm. in the relationship. Mm -hmm. And that's the most powerful thing. These cops literally cannot see their own right. coercive violence. They can't see it because they've been trained. The military, like you said, the, the cops and stuff is like a, a militaristic organization. And they never had that question of how do you know what's right or wrong? What's your moral code? What's your moral compass? They didn't have that conversation. So in one of my positive encounters with the cops, I had uh, no plates on my car and I had a suspended driver's license for another reason, but mm -hmm. I'm there with my lady friend and um, I get pulled over and I'm like, okay, I think they're going to either going to 
tow the car or make you drive or I don't know what's going to happen. But let's see what happens. Anyways, the guy shows up and I learned this technique from um, Landon. Uh, I can't remember his first name. Anyways, uh, it's called the moral approach. And so rather than try to discuss law, which is I have a right to travel and this is my right. constitutional right. It says, hey, man, you found me in peace, right? I'm not hurting anybody. Ooh. No, correct. Yeah. Um, wouldn't it make sense just to leave me in peace, right? You're a peaceful wow. guy, aren't you? Right? You have discretion in your job, don't you? Yes. Okay. And then another way I learned is from um, the documentary, How to Start a Revolution, which is to co-op the cops because the cops are just hmm. doing it for a paycheck, right? They're not like some bad dude on a crusade to violate no. me individually, right? They're just no like making- code. No moral code. And they basically sold their soul. They sold their honor for money. Right. But the good cops, um, this guy was, was a good cop because I said, I said, uh, he says, you have to identify yourself. I said, well, if I don't, what are you going to do to me? Well, I say, what you're going to do is you're going to arrest me. And I know you're a good guy, but it's the politicians hmm. who are making you do this. And it's the politicians who are making hmm. me have a license to travel. So I'm a victim of the politicians and you're a victim of the politicians and victims shouldn't fight victims. Wouldn't you agree? Wow. So, so Damn, I reason with them. I reason with them like that. And, and I, and I would literally, and I, I can show you the video. I can link it to you if you want. But I was like, I was like, please, like, I know you're a good guy, you know? And it's like, I was pleading with him <laughs> just to yeah. see if there's any humanity in this guy. Wow. And long story short, they gave me a warning for driving on a suspended license. And that was it. They just left me alone. Hmm. And I'm sitting there with my friend. I'm just like, I can't believe that happened. I'm so wow. amazed and just shocked mm -hmm. because what I did is I used the heart and I used the compassion mm -hmm. and a little bit of kind of verbal jujitsu, which is, which is true though. Like the politicians are making them do that. Right. And the politicians are making me do this. And this is one way that uh, many of these kind of revolutions in many, many countries have co-opted the soldiers, mm -hmm. right? So they would lead with peace and love which is like the soldiers are all like military and, and, and guns, but you come with a flower and mm -hmm. you and, and you bring the child and the child gives Oof, the flower right. to the cop or the grandma brings a bottle of water to the office. Are you thirsty here, honey? You can have some oh, water. Wow, yeah. And so you start to soften the trained like militarism. You're the enemy and we're the good guys. And then you, and you start talking, hey, the politicians in there, they're screwing you and they're screwing us. Mm -hmm. So let's not fight each other, buddy. So mm -hmm. these are some of the, the ways that I think we can um, maybe slow down some of the, the tyrants and the tyranny. But uh, of course, there are some totally immoral, totally uh, dehumanized cops that mm -hmm. have done really atrocious things. And, you know, I'm sure you and your audience have seen them, seen them like on video doing bad yep. things, lying, planting evidence and stuff, and nothing mm -hmm. happens to these guys. So no. probably the most powerful thing to do is video record any encounter with any you know government official yeah. and document what's going on. I think this is going to be um, partly a peaceful awakening revolution um, because people are sick of the violence. And you see what's happening in uh, Israel right now. It's like violence doesn't solve the problem. You know, mm -hmm. like they want you to feel this is the good team and this is the bad team and mm -hmm. which got which team are you on? And it's like, yeah, it's I'm terrible. on team peace, man. I'm on team voluntary relationships. And mm -hmm. if you want to see who the bad guys are, look who's being violent against peaceful people. That's how you 
that you look. You don't need the flags. You don't need the uniforms. Just mm-hmm. observe and see who's respecting self-ownership and who is violating self-ownership, destroying property, destroying lives. Mm-hmm. And these are, these are some of the ways that I think to um, you know, help people out there have these kind of conversations and realize we can win with our words. We can win with our heart. And it's kind of a spiritual consciousness, yeah. um, transformational, transcendental awakening that this is um, taking us all through and uh, we're all a part of. Wow. That's so true. That's a beautiful way to summarize the volunteer voluntarism, basically, and the consensual relationships and natural law with the uh, and the non-aggression principle all tied into one. Um, I love that because there's so much going on right now with the uh, just the different wars over all the borders everywhere. And uh, mm. yeah, it, um, personal freedom, personal property and for self-ownership. It's, uh, it yep. all comes down to that. I want to be respectful of your time, but I have one last question for you. Sure. Is that right? Let's do one more. Yeah. Okay. One more. So this uh, show is called Rewriting Our Future. I, I did it myself because I'm trying to level up as we speak, right? That's why we're selling our house. My wife just quit her job. We're, we're leaning headfirst towards entrepreneurialism. I'm taking a course about shadow work and, and self-esteem. Like I got to get there, right? Crunch time. Um, and so one of the things that I struggle with still is like I mentioned already is, is speaking my truth, mm-hmm. speaking the truth. And the consequences of that with personal relationships, right? Um, like for one, saying, like I've already said, you know, the military is a corrupt organization. And if I joined, I was probably subjected to mind control. That, mm-hmm. you know, I'm in the South. Like it's not going to go over very well. And people in, in my immediate family, I believe, have were killed by the vaccine. And mm-hmm. I can't, um, if I say those things, my life will explode in certain circles. So I compartmentalize and I keep it out of certain circles. But that makes me feel like I'm being dishonest. But I know that there's a time where I'm going to be able to live in my full expression. And so uh, as you went through this yourself, is there any yeah. like words of advice or encouragement you could give to those of us out there like me who are, who are basically just afraid to, to yeah. speak? Yeah. So this is a beautiful question. Um, I got a tattoo like 20 years ago on me and the meaning was be true to myself. Mm. And at some point I realized that I'm lying to myself or I'm being true to myself. And you mentioned something earlier about like choosing the battles. Um, And then realizing that people who are pro military, they actually, some of them believe in freedom and justice. So Mm -hmm. there's a different understanding of it. And then also in my family too, there's uh, military people, there's school people, uh, people to get the vaccine. And I would start by asking them questions and mm. understanding that they are in God's hands no matter what. Mm. You know, of course, like we're the light in our families, I believe. Yeah, but some people have already given up on their their hope and their future of life. Um, you know, like they stop dreaming in their 20s, 30s, 40s or something, even though they're going to live for 50 more years, 40 more years, internally, they have given up and they're allowed to give up. You know, Mm -hmm. people own their lives. They're allowed to take bad drugs or allowed to commit suicide. I don't recommend those things, but they're allowed to do that. So the first place that I would start and what I did is I started asking questions to my family. Um, I sent some of John Gatto's books to mm. some of my family members who are in the education world. Nobody, nobody replied. 
And I said, yeah. got it. Okay, got it, you know. Um, so another question, for, like for the vaccine, because um, I was going hard during the pandemic and we were having yeah, bonfires. Were. We were like, we, was, we were at it, man. Yep. So I was like intense. And, um, and then we did self-care Sundays. I got to do yoga and kind of go inwards. It's like, okay, so how are we doing this? Um, but one of my friends, Tom, he taught me this question talking with normies was like this whole thing that's going on, you know, this whole COVID thing or this whole military thing. Isn't, isn't this a little bit suspicious? You know, aren't you a little bit suspicious what's going on? Mm -hmm. You know, and yeah. just start there, just okay. start there at first base. And, you know, isn't it, and isn't it a little bit strange, you know, what's going on? Like they fund the wars and just kind of see if they're open mm -hmm. because, um, I used to be so intense. I would like deliver a 10 minute speech, you know, blah, blah, how my, how facts and research and all these things, but they don't give a shit no. if they're closed minded. So the no. thing is they got to see if the doors open and then I'll ask a question and then I'll actually kind of maybe say a sentence or two to see if it lands, mm -hmm. you know, say, aren't you a little bit suspicious, you know, about this whole COVID thing. And yeah. And it's like, well, it's kind of is, I, and I'll say, you know, my research has shown that it's actually hurting people. <laughs> and just see if that lands. Yeah. So then they say, what, your research shows that it's hurting people? What yeah. research is this? Versus, oh, yeah, maybe it is. I don't know. You know? Oh, I got another funny story. I was at the um, CVS because the CVS has the heart monitor machine. You know, you mm -hmm. put your arm through the cuff and you get the heart, yeah. heart you know, thing. I was there and normally there's nobody there right next to me. But this day, the guy's getting a vaccine as close as I am to you on the video here, just like, you know, wow. eight shoulder inches away. Shoulder to shoulder, yeah. Shoulder to shoulder, right? I was like right there. And um, the guy starts telling the new variant and he's going to get the COVID and the flu vaccine. And I'm just like, I got to say something. And all of a sudden, <laughs> he, he um, puts it into the guy's arm, injects him already. And I'm like, oh, now I can't say anything. I'm like, oh, no. So. I kind of felt bad. Well, then I turn around. There's there, there's there's another guy in line over here, oh, and he's oh sitting God. there just waiting, you no know, twiddling his thumbs. I say, "Sir, um, you're not going to get the vaccine over here, are you?" And he says, "Yeah, I'm going to get it." I say, "Just so you know, sir, I've seen the research, and it looks like it's causing heart problems for people, and they don't know what's in it. And you know, I'd recommend you probably not get the vaccine." And he looks at me and he goes, "Oh well." <laughs> Whoa. So yeah. again, that's that's shock treatment. That that that's almost like um trauma for me. Like I feel trauma for him, mm -hmm. but then it's like okay, deep breath. Mm -hmm. That's his life. I've made my invitation and offer, I've provided some information, and he decided that he's not interested in new information. He's not interested mm -hmm. in knowing that this thing could cause him heart trouble and myocarditis and all these things that we now know is absolute mm -hmm. fact. Um, so it's like, okay. And this is what I call the bifurcation of humanity. Mm -hmm. Freedom, peace, truth over here, and coercion, obedience, and immorality over here. Or, yep. or a variety of the two. You know, we can make sure. up whatever's going to be. Mm -hmm. But there's a bifurcation happening. And like you said, you have come to this truth in the last two, three years and it just becomes more intense. I got to say, you know, like I become mm -hmm. more meditative, more focused on nature and pray yep. to God and like, you yep. know, these types of things, because there is no logic in the 
mainstream corporate world, um, family members, you know, I've expressed myself. They know I speak all over the country and, you know, some of them see my stuff and it's just like, they're not interested. Mm-hmm. And I've shown the Vax documentary to family members are like, they're lying about the vaccines. They know it causes autism. Mm-hmm. They've been, they've been knowing about this stuff, but it's like, yeah, it doesn't affect my life. So it's just like, I'm like, okay. So this whole seventh generational thing, I guess is only for visionaries only. I guess for yeah. some people, they're just like, Hey, I'm just trying to put food on the table today. And, um, you know, and tomorrow and that's it versus like, yeah, dude, we, I, I want to have food on the table today. And I want to have a civilization and humanity in 50 Seriously. or hundred years. And these guys are going all in. There are, there is some good news here before I cut loose. Um, yep. Martin Armstrong is a top hedge fund manager, hedge fund manager. And, uh, he's kind of like a freedom guy. You know, he's not part of uh, the Soros group and these guys in my research. Yeah. He just did an interview titled How the World Really Works. He's not all the way to voluntarism yet, but he does have some predictions and futures saying his year is 2032. The event is as significant as the Revolutionary War mm. in the 1700s for us and in the fall of um, the monarchy, let's say Magna Carta. Wow. Um, and that is the fall of the republican form of government Mm. and so he's like we get to build civilization up brand new again and he said this whole plan that klaus schwab has and trying to get china and russia and these different governments to obey the united nations he says it's ridiculous they're not going to obey this you know it's Mm. like uh, they can't do he said they're they're falling apart and that's what they're trying to do is trying to um maintain control before hmm. they fall apart and transition but he says it's not gonna it's not gonna work it's a it's a little i think he called it a lofty goal or something but he's basically yeah. was just just saying how ridiculous it is because some of me when i see some of my friends promoting this stuff and like being problem focused it's like oh man they're gonna win it's like mm-hmm. no dude we're gonna win you and I, Paul, we're going to create these kind of more media and solutions and courses and entrepreneurship and health and health clinics and private grocery stores and these types of things. And we're going to win. And anyways, I just thought that was some positive news that I had to put forth so that the people know it's not just two crazy guys talking here, man. There's people I've seen it in (laughs) New Hampshire, in Mexico, Mm -hmm. Texas, Arizona, Nevada, Colorado. I mean, like there's a lot of people waking up to this left, right paradigm and in my opinion, they're looking for voluntary relationships, voluntary living, voluntarism, and these ideas of self-ownership and personal responsibility. I think they're going to continue to rise. And eventually the people are going to feel like we're feeling, you know, it's like mm-hmm. sad and cry and guilt. And then you're like freedom, you know, liberation, yep. total liberation, total joy, mm-hmm. knowing that we're on the right side of history. And also we got to do is try our best, you know, and, and have some patience with ourselves um, not try to build the the house in one day. You know, it takes time right. to to grow garden. This is my second year planting seeds and growing gardens, and I'm like, this shit's hard, dude. Like, I don't it's know hard. what I'm doing. Man. Yeah, us too. It, it's hard. <laughs> yeah, so we're learning, man. This is this is the key point for parents is that we don't know what the future holds, except more change, more challenge. So you want to make sure your child loves to learn. Make your child's superpower that they love learning, they enjoy Mm -hmm. learning, they appreciate all the um, 
experiences that they're going to have today. And you and mom and moms and dads out there, you are not teachers for your children, in my opinion. You are the champion of unconditional love in their Mm. life. And you are a coach and you are a guide and you are a facilitator more than you are a teacher. Of course, you're a teacher in some ways, but think of yourself as that way. You're, You're a facilitator and a coach more than a boss or a dictator or a, a somebody who's going to tell them what to do. A lot of times the children have better questions and better insights than the adults. And we've yep. got to honor ourselves. I'm so glad you said so what you said to your wife in the tent. He says, I don't know what's going on. I don't know anything. Well, Socrates said that. Hmm. Voltaire said that. Yeah. Einstein said that. And any wise, honest person out there is going to say, you know what? I think I have an idea what's going on, but I don't know for sure, man. And, you know, I have more to learn and like much more than I don't know than I do know. Mm-hmm. And that puts us in the honest place of humility and acknowledging the great spirit or the almighty or the creator, or whatever wants to call it, God, nature, that there's something magical happening on this yes, planet. And it is a joy to be here, to breathe to feel, to make love, to swim in the water, take a hot shower, take a jacuzzi, eat strawberries. I mean, how many beautiful experiences are there (laughs) that we can have? And we're going to build this together on a voluntary way going forward. That's what I believe. Yes, sir. I love that. Um, I'm, I'm amped up to keep my responsibility going, to serve the people, just like every time I talk to you or I listen to you talk. Uh, so David, thank you so much for, uh, your time today. I know you're a busy man all the way out in there in California and all over the world doing different stuff. Um, before we go, is there anywhere you would like for people to follow you? I'll link the things that I know about you, like your link tree and some of your, uh, the, the ways, the places you work, but is there anywhere you would point people to follow you? Probably the link tree. Yeah. Link tree slash okay. David James Rodriguez. I'm working okay. on the uh, personal brand, David James Rodriguez. Cool. com, but then um on YouTube, Rumble, and um yeah Instagram, I got uh, my second TikTok account deleted, and I've had YouTube's and Instagrams deleted wow. as well. So yeah, um, I think uh, this is an opportunity for me also to uh, level up the um the direct contact game, and um, mm-hmm. this, like I mentioned before, I have the show Voluntary Living. We'll have some stuff there. Hopefully, have some um swag for Christmas, sweatshirts, t-shirts, hats, stuff like this. Oh, cool! Uh, because it's a great conversation starter. You know, having these kind of um, yeah, freedom, really. Ma- material and hats and things like that. So, but I want to thank you, Paul, also for taking leadership and initiating this conversation and, and, and being a, a good husband for your for your wife, man. Really um, le- taking a step up and realizing that uh, you are the one you've been waiting for, and so am I. And we're gonna hopefully, you know, meet up again in Mexico. Yes, um, sir. Have some uh, tacos and burritos or do something down there. Yeah, for uh, sure. Ha- have some fun down there. But uh, yeah, man, really nice spending some time with you, and uh, look forward to doing it again. Okay. Thank you. It means a lot coming from you. Yeah. um, Have a good rest of your night and I'll talk to you soon. Awesome. Peace and love, brother. All right. Well, that's it for today, folks. Thank you so much for listening. And if you would like to support the show, you can make a donation on PayPal. You can find me at Mr. Paul Bry at M-R-P-A-U-L-B-R-I. Or feel free to pick up a copy of my book uh, recently on Amazon called International Backpacking and Domestic Travel. What I Learned While Traveling the World, a comprehensive how-to guidebook. You'll find that link below in the show notes. Take care, thanks again, and grow food, not fear.